Hello, and welcome to New Hope Christian Fellowship with Pastor John Gilbert. In here is knowing God, knowing ourselves, okay? Knowing God, knowing ourselves. And um, obviously we're all, we all know that there are stages in developing in knowledge, don't we? Growing in the knowledge of God. It didn't, when you got born again, when you came to this place of Christian thinking, it didn't happen in the first week that you arrived at being a, a scholar, a minor theologian, did it? takes time. Time unfolds. Time comes to us little by little. Before we go any further, let me just ask God's blessing. Father, Father, we ask that you would help me, guide me, and show me how to explain these facts. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to show you a few scriptures. Colossians 1.6 speaks of a certain time or day where one learned about the grace of God. Okay. And this grace has come to us all. Okay. The writer, the writer of the hymn Amazing Grace is John Newton. He didn't understand grace when he was a youngster, he grew and developed to become a Christian. And he built up his knowledge, he built up his understanding, he built up a... He built up an understanding of God before he realised that grace is what allowed him to become saved. It was grace that allowed him to come and get to know God. Because left to our own devices, we're sinners. We're destructive. We're, in our mind, we can be perverted. Our mind can be full of darkness. We can be unholy. And that's what we, we are like before God shines his light into our lives. That's what we're like. Naturally, I don't know how bad you became as a human being before you started thinking of God. I don't know. And, and dear Jeffro, you've had the privilege and the blessing of being a second generation Christian, a believer. So you haven't had to go out with making many, many silly mistakes in a world of darkness and a world of sin, like myself has, or Mick Tipper, for example. All right? Dominic, you're the same, you know, Jeffro. However, however, it doesn't stop you wandering off like the prodigal. Even though you live with your mum and dad, it doesn't stop you 
being a prodigal in your own little world. Everybody can go their own way. And God is kind. God, Jesus describes God like the father of the prodigal son who allows his children to have their own way. Yes? You know there were two sons, one father, John 15, uh, Luke 15, and one said, Father, I want my inheritance now. Please, hurry up. And the father didn't hold it back, said, here you go. And he went off and squandered his, you know the story. So God gives us what we want, lets, allows us to have our own way. Obviously, I'm not quoting these, written these scriptures down. But when we come to our senses, like that prodigal son, it's a good illustration. And we go back to the Father, we go back to God, and we realise that he loves us. He cares for us. That prodigal, he, he killed the fattened calf, he put a new robe on him, didn't he? You know this story. And it's there, probably, that prodigal realise, wow, what grace the Father has for me. Even though I've squandered all the wealth that I've inherited, even though I've done every, broken every commandment of God, even though I've, I've wasted the inheritance, he still loves me. And that's grace. So, I will read it. That was Colossians 1.6 that it talks about that grace. which is come unto you as it is in the world and bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Now I'm not going to expound on it all because I'm just giving you an idea that we come to a place of knowledge of these things. One nine says this, for this cause we also, since the day we heard, this is Colossians 1.9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Here is the Apostle Paul praying for the Colossian church, the Colossian Christians that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And there's something that we all want to work out. We all want to know the will of God for our own lives, don't we? And it's something that comes little by little. Doesn't happen overnight. Don't get, we don't understand these, all these things in one go. When you bought your first Bible and you read it once, you read it a second time, you don't know all these facts. It takes time. So God <coughs> is wanting us to have a knowledge of grace, to have a knowledge of his will. That's what he wants. And it's the will of God that you get born again, isn't it? John 3, 3. And that's just part of the process. This is a subject which we should spend our whole lives pursuing. You know that? 
And that's why we need to hear a sermon, have a Bible study. That's why we need to do these things, so that we will find out what the will of God is for our lives. What does this lead us to? Well, it leads us, it leads us to having a knowledge of God, knowing God. I've been reading this book last year, which was a fantastic book, by J.I. Packer. It's called Knowing God. It is a Christian classic, and um, it didn't happen. J.I. Packer did not write that book in the first year that he was a Christian. He didn't write it in the second year. He didn't write it in the third year. He wrote that book out of years and years and years of experience, of gathering information, of gathering an understanding, of growing in the riches and the wonders of the things of God. He might have read the Bible 20 times before he wrote that book, Knowing God. So, verse, same in Colossians, chapter 1, verse 10. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. You see, it's God's will It's God's will that you grow in the knowledge of God. It's his will that you develop. Like, when you have children, you want them to grow up. You want them to have their Weetabix. You want them to eat their eggs and bacon. If they stop eating, you will be worried. Won't you? You will stress out. Oh, dearie me, my little Johnny's not eating his wheat a bit. How's he gonna, how's he gonna develop? How's he gonna grow up? You will panic. You will fear. It's the same. To know God and to have a knowledge of God, we need to take time to read the scriptures, to examine the scriptures, to go deep into the word of God. And uh, this will, you don't do it just one hour of your life and think, well, I'm, I'm born again. I, I gave my life to Jesus 13 years ago. I went, I remember I went to a service and that's all I did. I must be saved. Well, I wouldn't rely on that, people. I wouldn't put my whole hope in one experience that lasted an hour 30 years ago. You know, you need to take time. You need to spend time with God. Spend time with the Word of God. Spend time in fellowship. Spend time in Bible study. Spend... How much time? Well, that's a good question. How much time? As much time as you've got. Hours. Days. Weeks. Months. Years. I'm reading Matthew Henry's commentary. He died at 51, Matthew Henry. Great non-conformist Christian preacher, commentator. He was the son of a preacher, who was the son of a preacher. And he spent his whole life, you know, from a child, 
gleaning the scriptures, reading the scriptures, and he, he wrote a six-volume commentary of his life's work. Now, I mean, there were other things he wrote, and I'm reading it. But he didn't gather that information in a few short weeks of going to a Bible camp. It was his whole life. His whole life he spent getting to know God. So what I want to do is move on from Colossians to Ephesians, this chapter 2. We go back to Ephesians, that's where we were reading. Do you remember our Bible reading of today? And I want to talk about this. <coughs> the past, the present, and the future of every Christian. You have a past? You're with me today, aren't you? So we're in the present, aren't we? <laughs> and where will we be in the future? So these are the three things I'm going to... What I've just said is by way of introduction. It's about knowledge, about gaining an understanding. But now, slightly switch, the past of every believer. So what you will notice in this passage of Ephesians chapter 2, okay, is this. It says... In times past. It's a common phrase. Look. I'll, I'll, we'll have another little read. Verse 1. Chapter 2. Ephesians. And you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's what it says. You were dead. When you lived in sin. Then he says, listen to this. Where in times past ye walked. You see that phrase, times past? Can you read it in your Bible? Where in times past you walked according to the course of the world. That is a recurring phrase, times past. So it's talking about what you were like before you became a Christian. What did you do? How did you live? Yes? These are things in time past. I hope to think that in time past, the things that you did are not the things that you're doing today. Yes? The writer of Ephesians tells me what we all did. This is a unanimous thing. What we all did. Let's go from <coughs> Ephesians 2.2 2 tells us these things. He says here, two th what, one, walking according to the course of this world. Yes? That is one thing you did. Whatever the world says, whatever the latest trend is, that's what you did. I mean, I got some, there are some crazy thoughts going through my mind of what I did before I was a Christian. You know, for example, I used to take drugs. See, it's been very simple about it. Marijuana. I used to smoke marijuana. I used to take LSD. Um, I'm not saying that I do it now. I don't do it now. But someone said to me, let's go to Glastonbury Rock Festival 
and we'll take drugs and, you know, have a great time. Well, I, I went there, I nearly died. Taking all these drugs, I thought I was going to overdose. It wasn't so much a good time when you, you come back dead in a wooden box, is it? You know, but I don't want to do that anymore because as a Christian, we don't okay that sort of behaviour. So, but if you turn on the, the TV in the summertime, in June, particularly June the 20th, the BBC are at Glastonbury. The whole world has gone to Glastonbury. It's all over the telly. But that is what the world wants to do. It wants to celebrate this, this, and glamorise this rock festival. But you don't hear of the youngsters that are overdosing on drugs. Do you see what I mean? That was point one, that you followed, you walked according to the course of this world. And there was somebody else that influenced us to do this. And I'll show you. It is the prince of the power of the air. It's in verse 2. Wherein, in time past, you walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, you might have thought that you had your own free will. You might have thought, yeah, I do what I like. I please myself. But fundamentally, there is somebody watching you. There is somebody, a spiritual entity, a power, a force, who is trying to control you. And he has had his way in our lives. You did not have a say in the matter. You might have said, yeah, someone said, let's go to Glastonbury. And you might have said, oh, what a good idea. I fancy travelling to Somerset and having a pint of cider or something like that. But people, this is what I'm going to say, is people become a slave to their lusts. They become in bondage to their, to their desires. And this is what the world does to people. It's why a lot of people, last week I was talking about, briefly, the suicide. People get so wound up, bound up in, in what they're doing, that they end up, if they do, things don't go their own way, they end up committing suicide. But why did they do that? Because there's power, the prince of the power of the air, is influencing people. You see? To go do this. Yeah. You, you get depressed, you have an off day, and he says, oh, end it all. Yeah, go on. Yeah, let's crush your worst or something like that. Do you understand? These thoughts come to your head, and you think, well, where did that come from? And the, the, this passage, the prince of the power of the air is controlling people. That's what the Bible is telling us. In Time past. It's not that you're thinking it now. It's not that you want to do it now, but it had an effect on you in time past. Look, verse 3, it repeats the same phrase. Among whom, also, we all had our conversation in time past. In the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. God's not pleased with that lifestyle. 
God don't like that lifestyle. God doesn't want you to keep living that lifestyle. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. Yes, I mean, it's true, that's what you did. And you might say, John, I had a very nice life. I lived a very sheltered life. I Everything was in order. And, and I didn't go to Glastonbury. And I didn't go to rock concerts. And I didn't take drugs. But still, our mind, we were in darkness. We weren't children of God in time past. Until he shines his light on us. And I said about this. Amazing grace. But by nature, when you're not saved, when you don't know God, when you think that you can have your cake and eat it and do as you please, the wrath of God is over this world. The wrath of God is over the darkness and the sinners of this world. In time, even now, but it was upon us, his wrath in time past. You were known, it says it here, we carry on reading. You were Gentiles, it says, in the flesh. Let me just see. Gentiles in the flesh. The called the uncircumcision. That's what it says. Without Christ. Do you? I said without Christ. In time past, do you want to live another day on this earth, in Himmel Hempstead, walking through life? Do you want to live another day without Christ? That's where you were in time past. But do you want to do it now, in the present? I certainly don't. It says that we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We were strangers. That was us. We were in the kingdom of darkness. We weren't in the kingdom of light and under the love and banner of Jesus Christ. We were living in darkness in time past. But let that time past not be the present for you. You don't want to live without Jesus Christ, do you? <coughs> in this world, Without, without hope, without God, my heart would stop. If you said, oh, God's not in your life, John, you've got no hope, my heart, I'd probably die of a heart attack instantly. I don't want to live without Jesus. I don't want to live without God. I don't want to be an alien from the commonwealth of Israel. Do you? We should ask ourselves these questions. Do you, do you want to be a stranger from the commonwealth of Israel and these things of God? Do you, Don? Do you, Leon? Do you want to be a stranger from the covenants of God's promises? No, not me. No, thank you. Do you want to live without hope? Without God? No, no. Ephesians chapter 2. What a chapter it is. It says, it speaks of time past. Something happened. <coughs> 
Something happened to me. And something has happened to you. If you come to this place of knowing God. And knowing Jesus. Something takes place. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found. I was blind. But now I see. Let's look at our present condition. Where does he go? Well, if I take you forward, I'm going to jump forward like the prophet Isaiah. Excuse me. The prophet Isaiah has a habit over 66 chapters of jumping backwards and forwards. And that's what I'm going to do. Look at verse 13. Same chapter. But now... Up until now, I kept saying in time past. But if you look at verse 13, he says, but now. What does that mean, but now? I'll tell you. It means we're moving from the past into the present. Yes? Our present position. But now in Christ Jesus, you are made nigh or near as in the modern translations, but nigh, according to the King James, by his blood. But now you've come close. Now you've got saved. Now you've become close to God. And this is why we have communion. Every, well, every two weeks we do it. <coughs> he says, I'm going to jump back again. Where was I? Verse 13. Wasn't I? Go back to verse 8. Verse 8, let's go back, backwards and forwards. Verse 8 says, now, that's present, isn't it? Now, it's not past, in times past, but now, by grace are ye saved. Yeah, verse 8, may I ask you a question? Is this you? You need to be able to answer affirmatively. Yes, John. Don't let the day pass. Don't let your eyelids close tonight. Don't go to bed without knowing Jesus Christ and salvation. Please, don't allow your body any sleep for the next week until you can say, John, I'm saved. Yes, please. I'll wait up for you. If you were to die, oh dearie me, it's worth asking a couple of questions as we go along. If you were to die, will you go to, if you were to die today, will you go to be with Jesus? Like Karen did the other day. You don't want, you do not want to be dying and going to be with the devil, do you? Praise God. I'm glad you're shaking your head. Verse 10 says this. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Yes? This is our present condition. 
This is not our past condition. It's our present condition. You are God's workmanship. Yes, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Yes, Dom? And that's what we want to know. Verse 18. We're going to jump forward to verse 18. For through him we have access by one spirit unto the Father. How incredible. We can go to the Father through Jesus Christ. It's incredible. Verse 18. Brilliant. I like that. Sadly, the people that are trying to spoil your fun, the wokes of this world, they're saying, in the news this week, they were saying, oh, that Bible is out of date. It's out of date because it's so masculine. It's all about him, the Almighty, the Father. It's too man-orientated. Oh, we're going to have to change it. Huh? What? Who? When? They want to throw the Bible out. And they want to put someone else in it. We, we've been saying, our Father, who are in heaven. Haven't you been saying this since you was a little child? Some of you. Yes? We've been saying it. And... Martin Luther said it 400 years ago and John Calvin said it and Charles Spurgeon said it and John Bunyan said it, yes? And the apostles said it and, and they even asked Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray and these were the words that came from his very lips. Our Father, who art in heaven. And if you could record how many times Jesus said our Father or, or Father, 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 you know, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Yes? And they want to tear it out of the scriptures. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. If you're awoke, woke off. Right? Because we don't want that rubbish to try and control us. Where's it coming from? Well, I'll tell you what. The prince of the power of the air is influencing people to try and eradicate the traditions of our forefathers, of our elders, of those that handed down the word of truth. That's another sermon for another day. Now, verse 19. Now, what well, the word now, again, present tense, isn't it? Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers. Yeah? We're not a stranger anymore. We're not foreigners anymore. But we are fellow citizens with the saints. Oh, wow. Of the household of God. See what I said about something very rich, like a rich Christmas cake? We're fellow citizens with the saints. John Bunyan. We're going to be pilgrims, aren't we, Mayor? That's what we're going to be. George Whitfield. John Calvin, Martin Luther, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I want to fellowship with them. I'm going to meet them in glory. We are fellow citizens with the saints. That's what we are. And then he says, verse 20. Look at this, verse 20. And are built upon the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. 
Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone. How wonderful is this? This is our present condition in which we stand today. And if I was to pop my clogs, I will fellowship with the apostles and the prophets. And I would be standing on the foundations of that of Jesus Christ. And I will be walking and talking with the Mr. Spurgeon himself in glory. That is my present condition. How wonderful. How amazing. What of the future? Well, I've just touched on it a little bit. We go back, please, to verse 7. Chapter 2 and verse 7. Listen carefully. Listen to the language of the apostle. That in the ages to come. What does that mean? He's looking ahead. He's looking to future contexts, isn't he? That in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. He's talking of the future. At one moment he was talking about the past, that in past times, then he was talking about the present, but now you have come to this, that and the other. And now he's jumping back to verse 7. He's speaking about the ages to come. Are you looking forward to the ages to come? And perhaps that is why you are here today. It's a future time. It's a time that has not yet arrived. It's not here yet, but it's coming. It's in the future, and it will come soon. You want to be there in the ages to come? Are we going to be together? Well, we came into this world on our own. You will leave it on your own, and perhaps we'll meet up around the throne of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to be there. And I want to see you there. It's a time when we will see the exceeding riches of his grace. That's where the time is. And we will see the kindness of he has lavished on us all. We will know it when we're there in glory. In the ages to come, <coughs> all the building, which is a holy temple, I think that was that in verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. I think I left the verse out. I think it's at the end. In whom, verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you, also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That's verse 21 and 22. So we will be part of that kingdom, part of that building, part of that holy temple where God himself will dwell in us. How wonderful. This is the future. The future is bright according to the word of God. We have a lot to look forward to. Yes, 
There are some that have no faith. Some that think there's nothing ahead. The man that died last, on January the 2nd, Stephen Arnold, his wife said to me that he was a humanist. I asked Ian Mayette to look up on the Google, what is a humanist? It's people that don't believe in God. They don't believe in a future life, an everlasting life. They believe there's an annihilation. What does that mean? Well, it means you cease to exist. Hey, eh? Cease to exist? Me? No. Not on your nelly. When I pop my clogs, something's coming out of my body. My soul. My spirit. It will be there. And it will go to glory with the angels. When you read that story of Lazarus and the rich man in Luke's Gospel, I think it's Luke 16. He was a beggar. He begged the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And then it says, in time to come, and time at some time he died. And it says, and the angels carried him up to Abraham's bosom. That's what happened to Lazarus. And he spoke. He spoke in the afterlife. And, and the rich man died. And he went to hell in the afterlife. In a future context. And he cried out to Father Abraham, didn't he? Father Abraham! Please dip your finger in some water and, and, and hold it over my mouth. Something, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But I'm showing you. I'm telling you, it's a future context. And we will be around. And people that are fooled, people that are fooled by the fact that there's no afterlife, they will be shocked. They will be surprised. They will be gobsmacked with a phrase that we have said we may have used in the past. You need to know Jesus Christ. You need to fellowship with Jesus Christ. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to be saved. Because there is a future. Let me look. Let me see in my conclusion what notes I have written. What about you today in the present? Yes, at one o'clock on a Sunday. Have you let go of the past. That's what's important. That's what we need to ask ourselves. Are you hanging on to something from the past? Let go. Let go. Do you want to go ahead into this future kingdom of Jesus Christ? Let go of the past. Don't hang on to it. It will kill you. It will. Shall I? Shall I tell you something? Do you know, may I tell you this form of punishment that the Romans used to inflict on their criminals, their victims? Shall I tell you? If you were arrested for a crime, if you were guilty for something, Yes? You know what they used to do? I think this was uh, if you got done for murder. 
If you murder somebody, you know what the Romans used to do? They used to get a dead body and they would strap the dead body to your back. Can you imagine that? Having a carcass of a dead person tied to their arms tied around your neck and you've got to go on and get on with this body around your butt, around your neck and you're carrying this dead body around with you. Yeah? Do you like that? That body which is rotting, full of maggots, full of disease, full of poison and pus. You've got to eat with it. You've got to sleep with it. You've got to live with it. Ugh. Do you like that? That's what the Romans used to do. Yes, Mick Tipper? I don't like that. I don't want that. I want to shake it off. Yes. The thing is, hear me out. The old man, the old man, our old nature, is corrupt. Is wicked. It says in the word of God that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. My old man is a corrupt man. My old man is a wicked man. Selfish, greedy, murderous, horrible. That's what I used to be like. And the thing is, it's what you used to be like too. That's what the Bible says. You say, I don't like that, John. I'm telling you it's the truth. That's why we've got to be born again. That's why we've got to get saved. You can't, you can't go on in life living like that old man, selfish, Greedy, sinful, perverted, mad, crazy. You don't want to be that person. Let him go. Let her go. And come to Jesus Christ at the cross and become a new person. Born again. Some of us, worse, what we're doing, we're carrying around that old nature on our backs. I met somebody yesterday. He said, I know you. I said, do you? Yeah, okay, okay. He said, what's your name? I said, John Gilbert. He was scratching his head. Scratching his head, wondering if he knew John Gilbert. He said, I can't remember your name, John. I said, maybe you knew me as Johnny G. That's it. That's it. You're Johnny G. Well, yeah, I'm Johnny G, yeah. But that's the old man. Isn't it, Jackie? It's the old nature. It was me with my big ego. Yeah, I'm Johnny G. Right, all right, yeah. I'm John Gilbert. I'm John Anthony Gilbert, if you want to know the real detail. But I want to be the new man in Jesus Christ. I want to walk like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. I want to be like Je I don't want a dead body strapped to my back called Johnny G. Do you understand? We want to live and move and have our being as a new man in Jesus Christ. Don't we? Let's, let's wrap it up.
If we're born again, we're in our new condition, our present condition. And we're happy. We're happy to be knowing God in this new condition. It says, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, And he that has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day that Jesus arrives. Isn't that what we want? Yes, we do. Oh, the love and the wonders of the grace of God that we can be new people in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the wonders and the wisdom and the knowledge of the scriptures and help us to embrace it, help us to live it, help us to walk like you did, Lord Jesus. In your most holy name, Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We meet at Grove Hill Community Center at 11.30 p.m. in Hemel Hempstead. God bless you.